Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another enlightening episode of Healthy Mind Healthy Life. I'm your host Avik and today we have a truly exceptional guest who's on a mission to revolutionize the world of coaching and the mindfulness. So please meet Mr. Brett Hill. So welcome to the show Brett. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Great, great. So uh, Brett like before we start delving deep into our conversation today, I would love to mention this to all of our listeners that uh, Brett is a mindfulness and transformation coach, a uh, thought leader I would say rather, uh, who holds numerous titles uh, including being an accredited coach by the International Coaching Federation. Brett is not just a coach as I also was mentioning earlier that he is a certified mind- mindfulness life and wellness coach a coach trainer author and an inspiring community builder so at the uh, uh, i mean at the heart of breath's endeavors is the revolutionary mindful coach method so this innovative approach equips coaches therapists and facilitators with the tools to dive deeper and connect more authentically with their clients so by blending uh, coach centered mindfulness with the state of the art uh, mindful somatic skills this method paves the way for more profound and impactful coaching outcomes so he is a visionary who uh, firmly believes in the transformative power of the mindfulness So he envisions a world where every conversation is enriched through the mindful communication and the action and he challenges us to ponder uh imagine every conversation you will ever have better so what is the impact on that on your life so his uh, diverse background includes a history of working in the technology where uh, he graced technical stages worldwide so authored technical books and taught advanced technical topics to fortune 500 companies so his ability to explain the complex subjects in a practical and un- understandable manner is a valuable skill he brings to any audience so also like as the founder of mindful uh, coach association he is also on a mission to inspire educate and support the coaches professionals therapists leaders and the individuals in various fields where professional relationships are at the core of their work so uh, in addition to his uh, remarkable work uh, brest is 
the host of the Mindful Coach podcast and um, the creator of the Mindful Coach method, which empowers coaches and helping professionals with mindful somatic skills. So uh, as a uh, uh, like, we definitely are honored to have Brett on our guest today and we can't wait to delve into the world of mindfulness and transformation with him. So without further ado, let's embark on this enlightening conversation with Brett Hill as he shares his expertise and uh, incredible mission to change the world for the better, one mindful conversation at a time. So welcome again to the show, Brett. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that gracious introduction. I appreciate it. Great, great. Uh, so, uh, Brett, like, uh, uh, if if you can share uh, your journey of how you became a mindfulness and transmission thought leader, and what actually inspired you to develop the mindful coach method. Mm. I um. I started this journey a long time ago when I was actually suffering badly. <laughs> As a lot of people, whenever you know we we have breakthroughs because we wind up hurting so much over something, and in this case, I had had a relationship that I was just really crazy about this girl, and and um, all of a sudden she just, she ended it without warning, and I had no idea. I was completely blindsided. Yeah. So I was shaken to my core. And in fact, I was so badly uh, disturbed for weeks. I lost my job. I was uh, vice president of a software development company. And I, you know, they let me go because I wasn't I wasn't showing up for work. I was non-functional. And finally, I said, you know, I need to get professional help. <laughs> I can't manage this myself. And so I wound up going to a therapist who I, and I'd never been to a therapist. I thought, well, well you know, how, what, what is this going to do me? But I needed something. So um, I went to this therapist and he did this interesting thing with me. He, um, We were talking and as we were talking, I I was explaining my situation and I and he noticed that I was making a fist opening and closing with my hand as I was talking I was going well, you know I just didn't see this coming and he said to me he said so what's going on with your fist and I'm going what are you talking about I'm I'm talking about my breakup why are you worried about my fist he says just slow that down and just pay attention to what is actually happening there. Now, I had had mind meditation training before and all of that, so I wasn't too uncomfortable with, you know, kind of turning my attention inside and paying attention to my experience. And when I did, a whole new world opened up to me, and I discovered that I was really angry, and my fist was acting out my anger even though I was actually feeling like sorrow and heartbreak. And what it turns out was that I had so much anger about not only this, but all the other situations in my life where I had been kind of blindsided. And I had never really dealt with any of it. And so it was one of those moments where this relationship breakup was bearing the burden of the actual unexpected heartbreak of that. And then also everything in me that wanted to come out and express about every other injustice I'd ever had was piling onto this. And that's why it was so overwhelming. And so it had, you know, the the amplifier was turned up to a hundred, but the actual, you know, music was playing at a volume of about five, you know? And so I'm like overdriven by this experience 
because all these other experiences were coming over on top of it. And by him directing my attention to my fist, which is what they call a somatic expression, a body-based expression, nonverbal, I wasn't aware of it, this was unconscious. I was able to get a handle on this and a whole lot of other things in my life. And at that moment, I said, it seemed like magic. I'm going like, what, what kind of magic is this? You know, <laughs> I, said, I have to know everything there is to know about this. Yeah. And I had a technical background, so I was really interested in how things work. I like to know the mechanics and the science and all of that. So it's kind of like, so I started studying somatic psychotherapy. And I did that for many, many years. And one thing led to another. And eventually I decided, you know, coaches, not just therapists, but coaches can benefit a great deal from all of this as well. And so um, I'm not a trained therapist, but I, I trained asthma. And I decided to take all that information and move it into the coaching world. And that's how I came to to working with coaches in this way. True. Understood. So how does the concept of uh, coach-centered mindfulness contribute to uh, more fruitful and the impactful coaching outcomes? Uh, that's a, a great question. Coach-centered mindfulness is something that is um, I decided to put out there because I've heard coaches in the mindfulness world, people who are mindful, they some, they sometimes start to study mindfulness and, and they'll say things like, oh, when I'm talking to somebody else, there is no me. There's only just the other person. And that's a step in, in that can be a good step when people are so self-focused, they can't even actually hear another person. They're thinking about, well, what am I going to say next? I hope they like me. I hope I can say something powerful. I hope I can do something well. If you're so focused on what's going on in yourself, you can't even really even see the other person. But the other side of this is you don't want to be so focused on the other person that you don't notice what's going on in you either. It's kind of like, well, they said something that really upset me. Or I really, um, uh, I'm, 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 not noticing that I really feel unhappy about the way things are going right now. Uh, I, you know, and not noticing that in yourself is not any good either. And so I come up with this notion of coach centered mindfulness where I'm my, I'm mindful of my experience of another person and the other person. So it's another way of saying it's called dual awareness, but I'm in the center of my experience and I'm experiencing another person. So I'm aware of what's going on with me. At the same time, I'm aware and paying very close attention in open, resourceful, refined way of what is going on with another person. And so you have all this information available to you to help you be of service to your clients as a coach. And then if you're doing this in the world, just in terms of the way you conduct a conversation. Lovely. So, um, I mean, you have had the rich history working in technology and the coaching. So how has your experience in uh, both the fields uh, influenced your approach to teaching complex topics in a straightforward, practical and useful manner? Yeah, that's so important. It's it's really one of the most powerful things uh, somebody ever said to me was, don't be afraid to approach a complicated topic simply. I just thought that was so powerful. And so what I have uh, I look for is what I call foundational trainings, foundational practices. Because from these foundational practices, from the basics, you can learn to be a master of, of something. I'll tell you a quick story. 
I was um, in Boulder, Colorado. There uh, was a Aikido master, um, Hiroshi was his name, and he took he offered a course called Aikido Movement. Now, I had had some martial arts training, but I wasn't an Aikido student. But he, this was about how to move like a martial, like an Aikido master. Like he was one of the top five people in the world on Aikido. And so I thought, well, who else could you learn movement from besides, you know, a true grandmaster of a practice? And so what he taught us, one of the things he taught us was this motion where you you turn 360 degrees and you stay, this is like being coach-centered mindfulness, but it's kind of like you're staying in the center of your world. And he would say, be completely aware of everything as you turn. Be completely aware of everything. So you don't just go from one point and you turn and now you're looking and you turn and now you're looking. You're looking the whole time. Now, what he's, the next thing he said, though, was the thing that caught my attention. He said, if you master this one thing, you will learn all of the keto. And I thought, well, wait, wait, what? And he's going, you really, really master this one thing. Everything you need to know about a keto is in this one practice. And that caused me to realize there's such a thing as a foundational practice, something from which all other practices emerge from once you master the foundations. And for that's the reason I teach mindful coaching and mindfulness in conversations, because I feel like that that is the foundational presence from which all the other things emerge. All connection, empathy, understanding, the the uh, setting clear boundaries, being able to find right relationship in work, being able to uh, coordinate and collaborate with other people, even those who are very different from you, feeling connected to the earth, to your to your community, to your divinity. All of that is in that baseline practice, and so I. I try to do the very basics, very simple stuff, like just notice, like the very first thing I teach is notice what lights you up. What do you like? You go outside and you see the sky, you go, oh, wow, beautiful sky. Notice that, take a breath and let yourself feel the beauty of it. That is a perfect example of a mindful practice that you can do a hundred times a day. And it doesn't depend on anything else. It doesn't matter if someone's treating you right or if you've got the job or the girl or the paycheck or the guy or whatever you're after. It doesn't matter. That beauty is there for you. And letting you have yourself have that moment on purpose in the moment is a perfect mindfulness practice. So that's one way I take all those elements and reduce it down to a very basic, fundamental, simple practice. Does that make sense? Exactly. Exactly. So uh, here, uh, like mindfulness and the authenticity are becoming increasingly uh, important in our society. So uh, how do you, how do the skills you teach align with these values and the ideals? Yeah, well, I mean, what do we need more than the ability to connect empathically in a way to really feel connected to other people? And your and your life and meaningful work, meaningful relationships, the ability to declare um, meaningful boundaries, like no, I'm not going to let you abuse me at work and or in my relationship or in any other way because I am a worthwhile human being, and that is non-negotiable. This is what I call a non-negotiable boundary. Like if you're going to be in a conversation with me, we have to do this respectfully. 
that's not negotiable. I don't, and, and maybe you're upset. I can appreciate that. I understand that. But we have to be able to talk respectfully or we cannot talk. And maybe we can do it later in some other way. But that's just a, an example of a, of, a, of a boundary that I have. And, uh, you know, other people have different ones for different things. But we need these kinds of, this kind of awareness that, oh, I'm, I'm being, um, someone's like, you know, being hateful to me and I'm not, and I'm noticing that in the moment and rather than try to justify it or make it better, or if only I could fix you, then you wouldn't, or if you understood me better, you know, instead of going to all those places, it's kind of like, no, <laughs> we have to recalibrate the way we're conversing in order to make this fit into a way where it can be good, healthy exchange for both of us. So there's, so there's that aspect of it. A lot of it just has to come to being aware of your experience in the moment with whomever you're talking about or whatever you're doing so that you can make better decisions about what to say and do. But the problem is we're not really aware. We're just kind of running through one thing after another, and we don't really take stock of what's actually happening. So the practice of being mindful and present with your own in-the-moment experience gives you the capacity to make better decisions about what you say and what you do in your life. So <clears throat> like you you have been a guest on numerous podcasts. So uh, if you can also share some of the insights or uh, maybe the experiences from those interviews that have left a significant impact on you or the audience. Well, I think some of the best ones are, you know, those where people are able to take away something that they can then use in their life. And then maybe you hear from them about, oh, this was so helpful and so meaningful. Uh, occasionally, I'll hear from people who've heard a podcast and they say, you know, this was really helpful to me to hear some useful piece. And that's my hope, of course, is that people can hear these things and like go and practice them, right? You know, it's like start to start to 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 pay attention to um, their in-the-moment experience and give voice to that, which is the other key part of it, speaking about it. And then when they can, then, you know, sometimes that can be a real powerful thing in a person's life. Something very simple can be very powerful. Like if someone was to actually take that, that practice I mentioned before of noticing what the things that you like in the world, pressing pause on that moment on purpose and letting yourself have those experiences you can add 50 mindful moments to your day, and that will change your life. That will actually change your life. You will wind up having better conversations, a better experience of life. You'll be better in a million ways because it's, it helps you learn to be more present on purpose, which is the whole purpose of mindfulness. Uh, got it. So, um, like, what are some of the practical mindfulness exercises or uh, rather, I would say uh, practices that you would recommend for our audience to improve their communication and uh, connection in both their personal and the professional lives. Yeah, so that's a really great question. One of the key things I would recommend for people is what you can do. Um, there's a couple of them I'll, I'll, I'll toss out there. I call this practice letting the world come to you. Um, and the story, there's a quick story about this, and that's that when uh, I was walking down the street one day and uh, uh, a friend of mine came my way, and I was about 50 you know, meters away from the guy, and he 
comes and as we get closer, he says, um, I say, oh, hi, how are you doing? And he stopped for a minute when I said that, and he and he didn't respond immediately. And this guy was a, a, a mindful therapist. So, and he said, and he, he kind of looked inside, you know, that look you get when you kind of like checking out your own experience, you know, you're not looking at me, but he's like, mm, what's really happening? And he was actually asking himself, what, how am I? What is true for me now? And then he said, oh, you know, Brad, I'm, I'm really not doing that well right now. Um, and so I was really moved by that, not because I wanted to find out more or I wanted to fix him, but because he took time to find out what was true. Because I'd asked him, how are you? And rather than just be automatic, oh, I'm great. How are you? Which is automatic behavior. And, you know, nothing wrong with that. But he was using my question as a way to actually find out what is true. And then he and we had enough uh, trust and rapport between us pre-established. So I wasn't a perfect stranger to say, uh, I'm not doing it well. And I know enough about him to go, oh, well, gosh, I'm sorry. I hope your day gets better. And he goes, oh, yeah, it, it'll be fine. And then we leave and everything's fine. Well, that was an example of that taught me an important lesson. And that's that every time somebody says to you, how are you? You don't have to automatically say, oh, I'm fine. You can take that as a prompt. Let the world prompt you to actually connect to what is true for you. How am I doing? Oh, well, let me see. I'm um, I'm pretty good. I'm feeling really busy inside. I'm really worried about what's next. I, Oh, I just had this big piece of news and I'm really shaken up about it or I'm really happy about it or I'm excited. Whatever is true, just noticing it and letting that be so. That's the other part, just accepting it. Now, maybe you say something about it and maybe you don't. That's another decision. But that's an easy, easy way to add more mindful moments to your life because the world asks you how you're doing. So take that as a cue to actually find out. Okay. Now, when you do that, you'll find that you have the opportunity then to connect with people in a more powerful way, because what you say next is coming from a deeper place within you. And people will notice that and it will change the conversation. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So uh, in your extensive experience, uh, what common misconceptions or the barriers do people face when they um, begin their journey to into the mindfulness and um, according to you, how can they overcome them? Yeah, that's a great question. There are, there's a long list of there, so I'll go for the top couple. One is that people think that mindfulness requires a whole lot of meditation. Mm -hmm. And I'm going I'm to say that's helpful, but it's not required. So the things that I've just mentioned, the pausing on purpose whenever you notice things that light you up, the checking in with yourself whenever somebody asks you how you're doing, those are perfect mindfulness practices, and neither of them require meditation. There are lots of those kinds of things you can do in your life. So there are many ways you can add mindful moments to your life without doing meditation. And I want to be very clear, meditation, I think, is very helpful. But it's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. um, there are certain people who may have had some trauma experiences or some other kinds of experiences where it just doesn't work for them. And that's okay. The other misconception is that um, mindfulness is about getting banishing your thoughts. You know, it's like, I must suppress every thought I have because thoughts are bad. And that's not it at all. It's not banishing your thoughts or getting rid of your thoughts or crushing your ego or anything like that. 
It's just being present with what is true, noticing and naming what is actually happening for you. And so one of the things that happens is that people start to turn their attention inside and they start to notice, oh my God, there's a lot going on in here. It's crazy. It's a crazy house inside and they don't want to go there. <clears throat> and I can appreciate that. But to people who have that as, a, as an initial experience, the general advice is, unless it's like causing you serious anxiety to do that, persist. Because what happens is it, it, uh, it's like driving a car down the road that's going really, really, really fast. You take your foot off the pedal. It takes a while for it to slow down. And so if you take your foot off the pedal and you're going like 100 kilometers an hour and suddenly you're going 80, but it takes you two minutes to get there, you go, well, this isn't slowing down enough. I'm, I'm just going to put my, this isn't working. You haven't given it enough time. It takes time for the, the inner mechanisms to slow down because they've been they've been driven or they're overdriven and so whenever you take off the gas it takes a while for things to calm down so if you don't judge it you just go oh yeah it is chaotic in here there is a lot of noise and you just let yourself stay with it then um, things get better and breath work is another key using your breath developing a relationship with your breath is super powerful. So uh, that's really great. And uh, before we wrap up, like uh, your work focuses on changing the world for uh, the better and uh, one mindful conversation at a time. So if you can mm -hmm. share a story or maybe uh, experience where you have seen this change happening and what exactly it meant to you. Mm. Where I've seen... Um changing the conversation. Yeah. So what happens is like, when you get really present with someone, I, this is a hard question to ask for me, because it actually happens with every conversation I have. Yeah. Um, what happens for me is like, I really tune myself because I've been doing this for so long to another person, like what's going on for them, like with you, for oh. example, I can tell that you're you know, you're would would it be wrong if I said to you, I'm I'm imagining that you're a caring person. Would that be true? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I feel like you really want I also feel in you something that wants to connect and wants to like, you know, help people in a in a non-trivial way. Would that be true for you? Definitely. And so because I'm feeling that and I'm talking to you from that place, what's it feel like for you to hear that? When I say that, does that change the way our relationship is right now? Sure. Yeah. So it's like there's something that that's the way it works. It's kind of like it helps people feel more rapport, mm. trust, and consequently people begin to open up a little bit uh, in the sense of what comes next and what people say. And they can go deeper because there's more trust and rapport. So um, when I'm in a state of you might call loving presence or just empathy, being present with somebody, I don't want anything from them. Right. Um, I just want I just want to support who they are. And whenever I'm being present with myself, being present with them, <laughs> it changes the conversation. And that makes so much difference. Because now if it doesn't work out, if they decide, well, I don't want to connect, that's okay. 
I've done everything I can to create the possibility of a good conversation. And if that doesn't happen, well, it's not because I didn't show up. Maybe they've got some problem or they're unhappy or they don't want to connect or they don't like me. I get it. It's okay. That's all right. That can happen. But I just be present with that and let it be what it is and not try to like make my whole day about it. You know what I mean? So whatever. So connecting with other people where they're at and trying to do a process like I'll see through, look deeper into someone than mm-hmm. the words that they're saying. Then you can connect person to person and you might even go so far as to say soul to soul. And that changes the conversation for the better. It's really lovely, I would say. So, uh, Great. And thank you so much for joining us on this uh, enlightening episode of Healthy Mind and Healthy Life. And our conversation, uh, for all the listeners, our conversation with uh, Brett has been a profound exploration of the mindfulness transformation and the power of the authentic communication. So uh, his dedication to the mindful coach method and his mission to inspire mindfulness in personal and the professional relationships have left us with the invaluable insights and the inspiration. So we hope that, uh, uh, like us, you have been enriched by the transformative potential uh, of the mindful conversation and the actions that uh, you carry these lessons forward in your own life. So always remember that every exchange uh, has the potential to be uh, better, more authentic, and the transformative. So Brett's vision of... uh, a world nurtured through mindful communication is a powerful reminder of the impact that we can have with every word we speak. So before we conclude, uh, uh, I definitely want to encourage all of you to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review if you found this episode inspiring. And your feedback definitely helps us continue to bring more conversations uh, that can elevate your mind and the life. So stay tuned for more episodes of Healthy Mind and Healthy Life and uh, where we explore the multifaceted world of uh, mental well-being and personal growth. So it's been an incredible journey with Brett and uh, we definitely are grateful for his wisdom and the passion for mindfulness. So this is Avik signing off for now and until next time, next episode, remember that every conversation holds the potential to elevate your health and the life. So thank you so much.